Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so we can develop products our customers love and do a better job of that. And do you know that this podcast also has a community? Members are product managers, leaders, and innovators who are creating value for their community, for their customers, and they want to learn with others who share the same commitment. And that's what our community is about. As a community member, you get to participate in the live video that we do with guests and ask questions also that I might not be asking that you want to ask. On top of that participation, we have all kinds of other resources too for you. We meet for a mastermind session to help each other. We meet for expert sessions to learn more. And we have a discussion forum as well. It's a community to really help us grow together. If you're interested in finding out more about that, and you can also apply to be a member, that is at productmasterynow.com slash community. And today we're talking about being a product-led organization. What that means, maybe some of the barriers that prevent organizations from doing that, and also actions that we can create to help improve or create that product-led organization. Our guest is Paul Orchanian. He's a problem solver by nature and founder of Bain Public. He has a great deal of experience that has helped him be well-rounded in many product management sort of roles. Paul acquired the breadth of experience through his leadership roles in San Francisco Bay Area startups and high-growth companies. He's helped rapidly scaling early stage startups, craft their product strategy, and everything also that's related to that. He also helps middle market and scrappy companies generate new product strategies for significant sustainable growth. And he also enjoys skiing, which I just found out about. He's up in the Canada area. I'm sure that you certainly have some good snow there. Listeners, as a reminder, if you want to find a written summary of everything that we talk about, including a one-page action guide with some key insights that we'll discover for Paul. So we go to productmasterynow.com slash 432. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chad. How was the skiing today? Skiing was great. We haven't had amazing snowfall so, so far this year. So they've been making a lot of artificial snow. So from that perspective, it's, it's not the best, but we had some pretty good runs. So... Excellent. I'm in Colorado. I used to ski and snowboard and uh, have not for some time since we start, had kids. I just haven't got back to that, but love getting up to the mountains and enjoying winter. And we did that a few weeks ago and it was just nice to do a little bit of tubing and hanging out and having fun. So excellent. Okay. Product led organization. Let's just get grounded on what this means. What does that mean to you? What do you think of when you say product led organization? So this started when I was in San Francisco and I was interviewing product managers and I realized that most of them and their resumes had about a year, a year and a half in multiple organizations. And I wondered why does a product manager only last a year to a year and a half in an organization? Why is the lifespan of a product manager so short? And I also realized eventually as I got fired myself as a product manager that it's if the product does not, the, the leadership team doesn't have a good understanding of how to engage with a product manager, what to expect from a product manager, then any reason is enough reason to basically move on and find someone else. So as, as the second you have a friction with the IT team or the engineering team or the sales team or the marketing team or the, the CEO, you're going to end up basically being in trouble as a product manager. So there's a lot of bait and switch happening where you go through these interview processes, they ask you the tough product management questions, and you end up working in an organization where you're not being, Marty Kagan says it so well, empowered as a product manager. And you feel the leadership team is not giving you the the directional guidance as well as the process and the tools and the support needed for you to, to do product management the way we all want to do it. And oftentimes product managers move from one company to the other, seeking that elusive product-led organization, and it's hard to find. 
So it just comes down from the leadership team, the founders of the organizations being able to create the space for the product manager to do their job right and also have the correct behaviors on, and, on how to, what to expect from them and also you know, how to behave around them. Okay. So a lot of it's really empowering the product manager, making sure we have understood processes and removing some of the barriers that might be in the way. Does it require an organization to be structured around product? Do we need to have a, a chief product officer and like a product central organization? Not really. I think that it just comes down to making sure that there is a, a product leadership team, mm-hmm. at least the same as the regular leadership team, your CMO, your CFO, your CPO, not CPOC, your CTO and the CEO. Those are the key people. At least bottom line, what's happening as a product manager is you're basically saying, look, for the next three months, like my, this engineering team is costing us, I don't know, a million dollars in overheads and operational expenses to basically, you know, just keep, just get them working. So I'm going to propose a bunch of initiatives and you guys are going to have to prioritize with me, right? So ultimately you are pitching to them all these initiatives and they're the ones making a decision on what to put that million dollars of operational expenses on. Unfortunately, marketing might not have had the experience of working with a product manager before and they think that it's easier for them to course correct and start sending grenades to the CEO and asking them to make changes. If That's if you're in a B2C organization. If you're in a B2B organization, it'll be the sales team. And I noticed this a lot when I left San Francisco. As you go to cities like New York City, Montreal is one of them, London, these are cities that don't have this heritage of product management. The leadership team oftentimes have worked in other organizations that happen to be service organizations or organizations that didn't have digital products. So they don't know how to engage with a product manager. So it's not uncommon to suddenly realize that you're engaging with a seasoned sales veteran, gray-haired guy who's your chief sales officer, who just doesn't understand that ultimately everything has to go through the product manager for prioritization and they'll just go through CEO, go straight to talk to the engineers. And oftentimes you feel like you have to create order within all of this. Guys, this is the process that we need to do. And if, the, if you suddenly feel like you're stuck as a product manager doing your product job, creating value through the features that you're delivering, but also trying to groom this leadership team to understand how to work with you, how to adopt processes and the correct behaviors, then you're doing two jobs. And that's a pretty tough job to do for a product manager because the job of a product manager is hard enough, right? Let alone establishing a process. So, and, and if you try to put in a process, oftentimes you get fired for doing, not doing your job, right? Or basically people start asking questions and why are we in this meeting anyways? Because this meeting is not about fee and product features. So, so I find that a lot of product managers uh, end up either accepting that reality that they're in the wrong uh, organi- type of organization that's not product-led. It could be sales-led. It could be marketing-led. Sometimes the worst is when you're customer support-led, where every single bug has to be fixed immediately, right? And you're no longer working on value-producing features. And, and then you basically end up deciding to leave because the grass is greener elsewhere and just to end up on a bait and switch. And suddenly you realize you have, you went from marketing led organization to a sales led organization to a CEO led organization. I once, we once worked with an organization, this, they were like $60 million series B funded 
and the CEO went away on the weekend with code stuff and on Monday morning we just release it. It was just one of those situations where there he's both the CEO but also like one of the guy who can code anything. At the level of maturity they were at, it was really difficult to stop him from releasing features because it was undocumented. The engineers wouldn't understand it. The product team wouldn't understand it. The support team wouldn't understand it. And the marketing team couldn't market it. And it just became a big issue, right? So, so you can end up basically being in all kinds of situations. And I think as a product manager, you want to be in a product-led organization where at least there's this behavior from that leadership team. And if that happens, then everyone's happy. And if that doesn't happen, it's, I think 90% of our struggles pretty much come from that. Okay, let's talk about some of the things that contribute to those struggles. I think you're right that many organizations are led in some other function, right? And as product people, we want to be front and center, but that's not just because we're egotistical, right? We really want to create value for the customer. And a lot of us are wired, and I think we reflect a reality, at least one version of reality in an organization, which is if we create more value for the customer because we're in tune with their problems and we're delivering products that create value, then the organization will succeed too. And probably the most often I see of what you listed was sales-led organization. Can you address some more of the maybe barriers in place, some of the issues that make it difficult for an organization to be product-led? The Obviously, if there's another function leading it, that causes issues right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, it's awareness of what the product... You, know, you don't get a lot of groups of people getting together that have the discipline that have a collective understanding of and methodologies and approaches of how to work with a product team. So the marketing team might be working one way and the sales team might be working different way. And this road mapping effort is a collective effort. It's a collaborative effort, but they might not see it that way. So find that awareness at the leadership level needs to be there in the first place for them to understand that there is a problem that we need to fix. And the problem is that we are not working with our product managers in the most efficient way. And oftentimes the product manager thinks that they're doing a great job by trying to create value for the customer, right? But the business might not be getting as much value. Or the, the, the situation I see most often is when you get the um, marketing team that does not support the features that the product team has just delivered through the engineers, right? And I call that like the like you want to make sure that there is buy-in from all angles, sales or marketing, as well as from other stakeholders. And if that, those methodologies aren't there and understood, oftentimes you just get discarded. It's like you in engineering versus the rest of the company. That's not a product-led organization. So, and I always find that you need to have this parachuted in third party who comes in and says, okay, guys, like, how do you hire and fire your product managers? Tell me. And I want to hear it from marketing. I want to hear it from sales. I want to hear it from the CEO. I want to hear it from the CFO. Because overall, we all need to agree on how we're going to engage with this person, right? Or this team of people. And, and you're going to hear all kinds of things. The sales team is going to say, well, it's because they have to do what I tell them to do. And the marketing team is going to say, it's because we basically want to create growth. And this person is working too much about on optimization, on automation or AI, and that doesn't seem to work. And oftentimes you just want to make sure that there is a, a process in place and tools in place that people agree on. And you're, you're the glue of the organization that's supposed to tie in all these groups together, but you can't force them to engage and work with you if they do not think that it's part of their job definition to be engaging with you. And that comes from the top down, right? The CEO needs yep. to agree and the CFO needs to agree and everybody needs to agree. 
Yep. Yeah. Top-down leadership, also where innovation has to start to, for it to actually take some lasting effect. We can have some bottom-up roof efforts, but they don't stick. Okay. So this glue of the organization, very important. And there's some good research on what the best innovation companies do. And, and a common denominator is cross-collaboration work, right? It's not just one function that's leading the organization. Its product is in the middle of all the functions, and we're working together to create new opportunities or revenue, which usually comes through new products, new services, extensions of products and services. <clears throat> so that's all pretty important. Like I said, I probably most run into sales-led organizations. And in some organizations, the product team, the product managers, are basically responding to what sales is selling next, right? And so sales isn't necessarily selling what we have now, but they're hearing from customers what they want and coming back to product and say, you have to build this for us. And that kind of seems like we're stifling growth actually overall. We're just responding to requests and not really having a deep understanding of what the customer's problem is because product isn't involved in that anymore. Have you been in some situations where products kind of get pushed out? Yeah. And it can get worse is when the sales team doesn't even want the product team to take part in some of these customer meetings where some of this evidence is being collected about like the sales team will have a lot of anecdotal things they've heard from a customer but if the product team is not allowed to have a conversation with that customer then how is he going to learn i've seen situations where the sales team thinks they're running a sales a service organization and this comes back down to the reality that we're not in silicon valley the further you go away from it the more you realize that the sales teams, especially in B2B situations, come from backgrounds and, and services. They might have worked in a marketing company or they might have worked in a law firm, whatever it is, right? Like where you just don't say no. You just say yes to anything the customer asks from you. And soon enough, the product ends up being just an extension of a service offering where anything the customer wants, a customer gets, and the value isn't being created. I often say in that, and what's really funny is that you, they will also create these professional services team that are working outside of the engineers on delivering projects on time, on budget with project managers and everything else. And at that point, you ask yourself, like, what are we really doing? So we worked with one company here in Montreal that was in the AI space that basically had this academia team working on various AI algorithms and a sales team that was basically just trying to take any situation you would encounter in AI and try to send it back to to this academic team that would basically come up with an algorithm. And it just basically ended up being a very service-oriented business. And when you get to that point and you realize that your business won't scale because it's a service business and it's a one-to-one, the client asks for it, we deliver it, then what I re- usually recommend is why don't you tell the sales team to start offering discounts? I'm sorry, but this particular feature is, currently isn't in our product, but it is on our roadmap. It's going to be ready in six months or nine months. That's the time frame that the product team has evaluated, but it can go up to a year. So here's what we're going to do. Since we don't have this feature, and if you really want to work with us, we're willing to give you a 30% discount on the product. So basically you use it without this feature and within a year it'll be there. And if you do not want to wait that long and you really want to go forward with this particular feature, we do have a professional services team that could custom build this. But just do remember that you will not benefit from the support and upgrade gravy train if we were to build this feature for you because it'll be a standalone one time build. It'll cost you 10 times the price, but we're willing to give you 
credits, of engineering credits for the amount of $300,000, but total cost is a million, right? If you basically just tell the sales team, the only thing you can sell is sell the product as is as a rebate or sell some professional services and give some credits away, but you're going to have to sell it for 10 times the price. Then the sales team starts realizing that, okay, there is no such thing as saying yes, there's, there are options that they're being offered. And what, if the client's crazy enough to pay 10 times the price, good for the company as well, right? Everyone's going to be happy. But again, there is no promise of supporting it down the line, which basically means that it's a one-off. And every time I upgrade, I don't have to be thinking about what we did for that customer. And or the other option is, and I always like getting rebates. Like sometimes I go to a SaaS, I'm like, oh my God, you guys don't have that feature. And they're like, we'll throw you 20% if you sign up with us. Sure, I'll do it. I, that feature isn't as important. It goes from must have to wish list right. cool, with a 20% discount. So why wouldn't that happen for a big it's organization? It's a pretty smart negotiation technique on your part. Uh, you mean the rebate? <laughs> yeah, as a customer, though, if you're asking for the feature that doesn't matter so much to you, but you might get some compensation on the cost. So yeah, if every client thought about it that way, I think from a product team perspective, what it allows you to do is quickly see how what are the motivations for the customer to ask for it, right? They might to the sales team, they might indicate that it's a must have. But as soon as you throw in a 10, 20%, suddenly you realize that it's a wish list item and they really didn't care as much. Right? So you're just validated immediately that this customer isn't going to not sign on the dotted line just because this feature doesn't exist. And you've given them an option, an alternative that if they start screaming and shouting within 12 months and you haven't released it, you can just come back and say, look, other priorities came in, the market shifted, the competitors shifted, our customer expectations shifted as well. So at this point, I can only go with option two and we'll have a professional services do it, but you will not benefit from the upgrade and support gravy train and it's going to cost you a lot of money. But we're willing right. to give you another credit of 15% on that if you're willing to take it. So again, patience to, for the client. Sales team gets, ultimately the sales team, I'm, I do sales for my company, so I'm not going to be biased towards it, but the, ultimately the sales team just wants to close its quarterly numbers, right? So what, if a 15% discount is going to allow them to close and the feature is not going to have to be delivered, even better, right? At least I don't have to like sit next to an engineer and ask them to basically build it and get, a, get in angry arguments with them because... It wasn't delivered the way the customer wants because now it becomes a service thing where the customer satisfaction is important on the deliver the feature and God knows how sales teams can basically collect requirements. So, so that's a can of worms you don't want to get into. Yeah, and what product people want is when the sales team does come back, the sales professional comes back and says, hey, got this great opportunity with the customer. They really need this feature. We want the opportunity to go understand, well, what is it they're trying to accomplish? Why do they need that feature? What is it, what is it their task they're trying to accomplish get through. And maybe we already have something that helps them satisfy the problem. And maybe they we can help do this another way too, right? Yeah. We want to understand what the problem is and not just to be requirement jockeys or to taking feature requests and dealing with them. Yeah. I want to get to just maybe a few specific steps for trying to move. If I was a product VP, if people listening are in that leadership role, to move more towards a product-led organization where we see product as that hub that is cross-functionally collaborative with everyone. You emphasized earlier that this starts with top-level leadership. How can we start taking action? Yeah. And for example, I've heard very different perspectives on this where I've heard some product VPs say, just we create products and trying to influence 
the other senior executives on what product does is a waste of time. Yeah. And I've heard the other side of that spectrum, which is we're a senior executive team. Everyone has to understand what it means to develop products and we have to be on the same page. Yeah. What's your experience been like? I always ask the product team to go to the leadership and ask them for the deck that they've been preparing quarterly to the board. Because any VC backed startup always has a deck that they need to basically show on a quarterly basis to the board members. And that pretty much is the high level strategy for the company. This is which direction we're going, here's the mission, here's the strategic things, our differentiators, etc. And that's food for the product team. That's basically, hey, everything I ever needed to know in order to say yes or no for whatever the sales team or the marketing team will basically force on us. And see what, how their reaction is. The product team should not even be looking at this document. And then ask yourself the question, like, are they open to sharing it with you and also explaining it to the product team of what they're trying to do? Because it's a kind of a forecast. It's not the roadmap, but in some ways it is. A, I had one CEO tell me that it's very, very hard to project into. We have this exercise where we try and we ask people, what, is, what features are you going to build in the next six weeks, six months, six years? We call it the 666. And he was telling me like six years seems pretty far away. And I was like, yeah, you cannot express the features you're going to be building in six years in terms of features, but you can express it in terms of strategy, tactics, metrics you're trying to move. And usually those strategies, tactics, and metrics end up in the same deck you're going to share with the board. So it's important for you to maybe not articulate yourselves in terms of features to the product team, but articulate yourselves in terms of strategic direction and tactical execution. So if, the, if that leadership team is close to the idea of the product team seeing that deck, I would say fly, get away, go somewhere else, because that's not the type of environment that's going to allow the product team to thrive. Ultimately, you do need that direction from the CEO or from the leadership team. And if they are willing to share for it, well, that is the first step towards an understanding. And because those decks are created on a quarterly basis, it allows the product, man the product team and the product manager to go back to the leadership team and say, hey, can I see the latest version of the board that you reviewed with the deck that you reviewed with the board? Because it's going to allow us to validate certain things because things have changed. The, econ the economy might have changed. The industry might have changed. The co competitors changed. And you guys took all that information and you put it in a deck and showed it to the board and the board approved it. So obviously, like that shift, that pivot or persevere decision that you just took, you could share it back with us for us to continue our exercise. So I think it creates the foundations of that initial opening. So yeah, they might not be interested in spoon-feeding the product team information in separate meetings because they're too busy. But hey, they already have this, this asset. It's being mm -hmm. shared with the board. Then why not share it with the product team? Yep. Yeah, fundamentally here, we need to understand the strategy of the organization. Right? The work we're doing should help to deliver on the strategic objectives of the organization. And I talk with lots of product teams that don't have a clear understanding of what the strategy actually is. And then sometimes if we go talk to the product VPs that are sharing strategy, they're really surprised that others in the organization don't aren't hearing what the strategy is, right? Yeah. That they think they're communicating this, but it, some of this is just we need to be repetitive. Start meetings with yeah. a review of our strategic objectives. This is the vision of our products, and this is how they line up to these strategic objectives. Yeah. What's funny, I often find that the product teams will create their own meetings 
and bring in some of these leaders and say, hey, let's create the strategy and let's do a SWOT analysis and stuff. And people think it's a waste of time. Of course, it's a waste of time because they've already did that exercise with the board. So I find that what's really interesting is I've seen this a lot. I've always asked product managers, hey, can, have you seen that deck? Ask to see the deck. And they're not even aware. You could be a VP or a CPO and completely unaware that debt exists. But the thing is, the second year VC-funded startup, that deck exists. And there's a history of that deck, quarter after quarter, and its evolution. So that's a strategic evolution of the company. So that's amazing content to put your hands on. So I would actually ask the product team to say, I'm going to invite the leadership team to present that deck to us. And we're just going to do what product managers do best, which is listen right? Listen, ask questions rather than pretend we're the most intelligent people in the room because that's what they need us. They just need us to hear their strategy and then we could use that to, to as a leverage to basically say to the sales team and so to the marketing team simply on the principles of the strategy that was in the deck that was collectively agreed on. Yeah, yeah. And, and even if this isn't the VC-backed startup, right? Even the Fortune 100 has a strategy deck and they're communicating to to their shareholders, to Wall Street, exactly. what their strategy is to win over the competition. And we need to understand that, too. It's, sometimes it's short term. Sometimes it's long term. Sometimes it's about creating differentiators sometimes. And, and, you know, and this when it comes back down to the sales team asking you to add a feature because this client is going to do X or whatever. And you're like, look, the company just pivoted away from this industry into another industry. You should be selling to that industry. You shouldn't be basically going after this client. And it's an amazing, empowering discussion to have a sales leader when you're pretty much telling them how to do their job rather than them telling you how to do your job, just simply on the principle that there is. Now, a lot of leaders don't like sharing company numbers and stuff because those decks tend to be like financial forecasts and HR issues and whatever. But it doesn't matter if you're if the if you're the connective glue across all these departments, you might as well sh- should have preview to all that information. So, and besides, as a product manager, if you're try- if you're releasing a feature that's going to be beneficial for a the user and b the organization, then you're pretty much going to have to be close to the numbers, the, the problems that are really hurting the organization. And you say, look, if this number here, for example, customer acquisition costs are very high and the cycle time to close a deal is very high and, and we need to basically solve that problem. Well, we can release a bunch of features on our end that can solve that, those problems. And, that's the, and that could solve, that can basically allow us to close customers faster and reduce the customer acquisition costs. And it's a feature that customers will like too. That's right. product management defined, right? But right. so far, so long as they don't share with you because those are sales numbers, you shouldn't be looking at customer acquisition cost numbers. Well, no, that's not true. The product manager is responsible for seeing opportunities on where are the problems in the organization, holistically speaking, right? Are our support costs high? Are our marketing costs high? Are our customer acquisition costs? Are our engagement costs there? Are activations there? All these things. Are margins okay? right? How's our churn? How long are customers staying with us? All of these numbers are important for product manager. And I think oftentimes we get, because we feel that the leadership team is, doesn't want to share this information, we zero in on the user numbers, like whatever the analytics platforms are giving us. And we focus only on customer engagement, whereas we should be looking at it a little bit bigger and think, oh, what is the net customer satisfaction, overall satisfaction, customer acquisition cost, margins, number, lifetime value of a customer? These are the drivers for the product team. Excellent. 
good information. So it certainly reminds me that strategy isn't important. The organization should be a single system that often isn't, right? Mm-hmm. We should be working together to optimize how we win as an organization and working off strategy to do that. Appreciate you sharing the information and helping us think through a little bit more about being a product-led organization or moving towards that. As listeners know, we do like an innovation quote. What do you have for us and what does that quote mean to you? So the quote I like is, work should be organized, things should be managed, but people can only be encouraged, inspired, and led. And it's a quote I use, I used it from day one since I founded Bain Public, and very core to how product managers are working, right? Like we are organizers of information that we collect from users in various departments of an organization. And as long as we basically are able to organize it and use methodologies in order to prioritize and make sense of it all, then all you do as a product manager is try to motivate all the people around you. You're motivating the engineering team and explaining to them every day why they should basically, you know, wake up in the morning and show to work. And you're reminding the sales team and the marketing and support team why some of these new features are really going to help. So ultimately, we are the organizers. We are the the colony of ants that are basically taking all these bits and information from various departments and really creating a whole lot of it and trying to align it with the strategy. But our day-to-day post-organization should be mainly about leading people, leading departments, being motivators, and being passionate, obsessed people. And I think that comes back to what you said early on, is as a product manager, we repeat a lot, right? And that repetition has to come from a passion, from a, from a leadership as a perspective. You're not just repeating for the sake of repeating. You're repeating because you organized the company's strategy, and now you're repeating that strategy in a way that makes sense to, the, to the, that person, to your counterpart from another department, in order to motivate them to change their behavior and basically align themselves to the company direction. So I think that if we are bad organizers of information, we end up being poor product managers. And the more organized we are, the more methodical we are, the more processes and tools we have, the more inspiring we can be, and the more we're perceived within the organization as being leaders. And that's something that certainly product managers aspire to, having more influence in the organization so that we can serve our customers better as well. And many of us wanting to achieve senior leadership roles, too, in the organization. So thank you for the quote and for the information, too, about being product-led. How can people find out more about the work you're doing, Paul? So we're being public. We're working with many organizations. We try to contribute. We have this BHAG, this big, hairy, ambitious goal of being omnipresent across the product ecosystem across many cities. So we have about 70 articles on our website. We have an ebook that comes with about 15 how-to documents on to basically classify various areas of product management. And you could just go and just download that there, read the articles and just learn as much. We're as transparent as we can be about the process that we personally like to use, but we're not dogmatic. This is not agile. We just believe that product management is different in given the organizations, the industries, the markets, and et cetera. But we also feel that there is a way of basically just doing product managers, which is which is not something you find in books. It comes down to the fact that what does a product manager do any given week in a quarter? And there is this mentality of, you know, you can't talk to customers 
12 weeks or for three months. You need to talk to customers. The first two months, you need to ask your CEO what the strategy is the, at some point, and then you need to basically just get to prioritization, but you can't do it all in one day. So how do you basically spread your efforts and energy across a period of three months where you could be strategic, but also be tactical and be, go get into the details and deliver features? Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, we feel like we're putting out fires all the time. We're not really knowing exactly. what we're doing when we show up at work some days. So we have a plan. Okay, thank you for that. I'll put the links into the show notes to BainPublic.com. I'll also add your LinkedIn profile there so people can reach out and contact you that way if they want. Absolutely. And I'm glad to know about the ebook. So, Paul, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And listeners, as a reminder, if you want those written resources we prepare for you, the summary of everything we discussed, and that one-page action guide to help you put into action some of the key takeaways. Also, a great resource to have a discussion with your product team around these topics. Simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 432. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.